Okay, let's work. Let's work. Let's work. Let's work. I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling good today. Yeah, happy baby. Saturday. Happy Saturday. Happy weekend. Wait. We about to work today. Uh, I do this shit with no pressure. Woo! Run up the back and put up the extra. You can not happy May, y'all. You know it's getting warm out here. I'm ready today. I'm hungry. I'm with the slime. I twin. He bleed. I'm hungry, Charles. I'm hungry. Hungry to make some money? I'm hungry to make some money. I can make a movie. I'm ready, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let this rock for another minute, and then we gon' get started. Bitch, don't speak. Look at my drip when I walk. Slam me like thugger and weed. I left that bitch in the bed and jumped in the worry that hot in these streets. I'm on my way to the stool. I'm geeking off mass like who wanna lean? That nigga get to the bridge. Can't fuck with that bitch cause she trash. In three weeks we tip at the streets. Fuck all the ops and police. Don't you try coming and slip. I put a four in the A and a W, and I've been sipping on six. All three of my cards got ice on the buses. Shit came from the trenches. Welcome to episode 40 of the Danso Pitch Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Danso, joined by my co-host, Daniel. Daniel, how you feeling today? Yeah, I'm feeling excellent, man. We're on episode 40 of the Danso Pitch. This is a milestone. We've come a long way compared to episode one, and I'm really just grateful for our audience for staying tuned with us, listening to our podcast on a regular basis, and we're here to provide you with up-to-date, real content, dropping you some game as we go along on this journey to acquire wealth, increase our business acumen, and our financial literacy. So I'm very excited for this episode, Charles, and I'm just ecstatic. Like, let's go. We we got a lot to talk about today. We got, we got a lot to cover today, Daniel. But, you know, uh, first off, I want to introduce um, our Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts and YouTube viewership. Subscribe to the Danso Pitch. Again, welcome for the loyal followers, for any new people. Welcome to the Danso Pitch. We are a business acumen, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship podcast. And let's get started on episode 40. As Daniel mentioned, we have a special episode today. Anybody that's interested in learning more about the stock market, interested in being an investor, if you've been an investor for some couple of years now, still tune in. Uh, subscribe to anyone that's interested in you know, learning more about the stock market. We're going to give you a lot of information today. We're going to give you some terminology you may know or may not know. We may give you examples of how to get into the stock market. We may give you answers as to the right brokerage to, to invest into. A lot of people may not know. It's not always Robinhood. I know a lot of beginners like Robinhood, but there's so many expansive brokerages outside of just that and so much more. But before we get started, Daniel... I think I want to give a little brief um, description as to the audience as to how we got into the stock market. Um, I can start it off and then you continue. So for the audience tuning in, again, my name is Charles Danso. I am the founder and current CEO of Danso Solutions, as well as one of the co-hosts for the Danso Pitch, which is the podcast for the Danso Solutions page. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I've been working in Wall Street for about going on six, seven years now. So for me, learning about the stock market kind of came second nature, especially working in these various banks. I've worked for J.P. Morgan. I've had internships at Goldman Sachs. I've worked at so many uh, you know, different investment banks over the time that I've been in the banking world. So for me, you know, seeing a lot of uh, shows like CNBC, Yahoo Finance, speaking with a lot of managers, that allowed me to learn more about the stock market. So I've been involved in the stock market for almost five years now. 
Um, I'm investing in the stock market. I have, you know, different uh, sectors of investments. I'll describe to you all what a sector is in a little bit. But what that means, is example, um, I'm, I'm investing in technology stocks. I'm investing in marijuana stocks, such like Apple, such as uh, Royal Cannabis, Tilray, uh, so many more. Uh, Amazon stock I have. I have Tesla stock and so many more. So, again, we're going to cover all this for you guys. But excited to, you know, kind of go through these with this stage with you, give you guys the terminology that you guys need. And so much more. Daniel, give him a little bit of game. Where are you from? So my investing journey started in college, uh, relatively speaking. I took a couple classes on finance and I was grateful because I was a business major. So they focused heavy on certain financial classes. And one that I took really just opened my eyes to how beneficial it is to start early in the markets. Because the time value of money is a very core concept when it comes to investing for the long term. Because the same dollar you invest between the ages of 30 and 40 is going to be different than the same dollar you invest between the ages of 20 and 40. So that time value factor is what really jump-started me to get involved in the investing game. And then I just surrounded myself with a, a lot of people like Charles. I met Charles through college and we were just you know going through this journey together. Um, I have certain family members that are invested into the market. So over time, just through my associations, I was able to really just uh, learn about how this investing game works, you know, pick out a few stocks here and there, started with the general ones I know, like Apple, Facebook, you know, got my you know feet wet with a little bit of the knowledge that I had and then started to branch off and do, you know, some of the fancy stuff that uh, we see today, um, you know, with doing like options and stuff and and the crypto markets, which we'll talk about as well. But, you know, having a diverse portfolio was one of the things that I took a lot. You know, I took that part more so than just investing in individual stocks, because for me, you know, it's always about maximizing your profits while minimizing your risks. And diversification was one avenue that I knew was like the best that's the best part of investing, honestly, is having that diverse portfolio because, you know, the stock market and 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 this is like common knowledge, but it's sometimes you really just have to go back to the basics. Like the, the stock market is always going to have fluctuations. You know, the, there's always going to be a bullish market, which is where, you know, the market is on a high. Well, let, let's yeah. before you, you get into that, let's let's mm -hmm. first give them what exactly a stock is, because. You're right. Yes, let's back yeah, up. Let's because, back up. Let's, let's, let's start with the too basics. much game too 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 start, early. I got ahead of myself. Let's the, start with the basics. The, the first piece that we want to describe to you for those that's tuning in is what exactly is a stock? And for the, the definition that we're going to give for you guys is a stock is a type of investment that represents an ownership share in a company. Investors that buy stocks, investors being you, the audience tuning in, if you have an investment, if you're an investment into the stock market, if you have even one stock in the stock market, whatever company that you bought, that means you are a shareholder in that company. So what does that mean? That means you hold equity in that company. Equity means ownership. Again, for those listening, if you are a stockholder in the stock market, that means if you are an investor in the stock market, that means even if you have one stock, that means you have ownership in whatever company that you purchase a stock. An example, if Daniel and myself own 
even one share of Apple. That means we have ownership in Apple. Even if it's 1% ownership, doesn't matter. The point is the more stock that you own in that company, that's why usually when people buy like 100 shares, 1,000 shares, 2,000 shares in a company, they have more ownership in that company. So what does that mean? That means you have more voting power. Uh, example, that's why some of the big names like you hear of, obviously, the guru Warren Buffett, he usually has large stake ownerships in Apple, Coca-Cola, because he owns about 100,000 shares of Apple, uh, 200,000 shares of Coca-Cola. So that what that basically means is the more uh, shares that he's buying in that company, example, Apple or Coca-Cola, that gives more voting power, that gives more dividends. Uh, please, uh, Daniel, if you can give the definition of what a dividend is. Yeah, I mean, dividends are pretty much a percentage of the company's profits paid out to the shareholders. So, you know, if the company has done well, they had a good quarter, um, you'll often get what's called a dividend yield. So that's like the percentage of what your dividend payout would be. So if it's like, you know, let's say the stock is $10 and the dividend is like, you know, 30 cents a share. So whatever share, how many shares you have, you'll get dividends on that. And I think just to like give a high level, you know, perspective on why there even is a stock market, you know, companies, so a stock, when a, co when a company goes public, right, um, and this is done through an initial public offering, this is where the company is ready to go public and issue out shares to potential shareholders who are going to purchase the stock in order to give equity to the company. And why, this is why does a company go public? Why does a company go public? Well, there's a number of reasons. A company could want to expand its operational activities and it needs equity financing, which is pretty much getting, uh, in in instead of debt, they want to have uh, equity in order to fund their operations. If they want to expand, build, you know, an IT, whatever they want to do. So they will use equity as a form of investing in whatever they're trying to do for the future. And this is a good way to, in terms of capital structure, um, not to get too far off topic, but you want to look for a company that has a very good you know, debt to asset ratio. So like, if they have a lot of liability, if they have a lot of debt, um, this is normally not a good sign. It's a high risk for the company. So they, they issue these shares with an IPO so that they could fund, hopefully, having large shareholder equity within their you know, capital structure so that they could do these business ventures and such. And obviously, as they perform well and they pay out dividends to shareholders, that increases shareholder value and that increases the company's value overall in the market. I agree. So another reason um, a company may go public as well is to raise the portfolio of the company. So what that basically could mean for the aspect is um, the popularity of the company. Some people go public because of the fact that that allows them to gain more popularity within the business. Mm -hmm. So example, like if um, Amazon was going public, um, a lot of people don't know Amazon was not profitable for the first three years that it was actually in business, um, but they were still able to raise money. The reason being is because um, the founder and soon to be ex-CEO, but I'm sure he'll still have some type of shares in that company, yeah. Jeff Bezos, basically went and was able to pitch 
um, a lot of his ideas for the business. What that means is he goes to a bunch of investors and he gives uh, basically a, a rundown of his business, where he sees the business growing in the next five to 10 years. So example, in raising money from different investors, he was able to go public. And the fact that he went public, that allowed a lot of people that initially um, knew a little bit about Amazon, maybe through, because uh, originally they were a bookstore. So for them, you know, selling a lot of the books, maybe some people were investors and say, hey, you know, the way I see this company going, maybe in the next five to 10 years, they could really expand out. So what that basically means is if a, per if a company goes public, such as Amazon, sometimes they may, they may also do it to get a little bit more credibility because of the fact a lot of people that know that companies that are public, that means that they usually have a lot of backing from investment bankers, from uh, maybe angel investors. Um, mm -hmm. All these people are invested into this certain company. That's why when uh, companies like Uber, Lyft, and Coinbase, just to name a few, were going public, it was such a big deal because that means that a lot of uh, people were investing. In it. That's why usually when you hear a lot of celebrities like Nas, Beyonce, Jay-Z, they're getting uh, these large payouts is because they were early investors. That means that they were helping grow this company um, before when it was still private, when people didn't know about it and to the global scale. They were early investors. Obviously, they did their research. They had people do research for them to know that, hey, maybe in the next couple of years, this company can grow and become a very popular business or brand, so to speak. So, Daniel, your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, there's always like an early form of investing before the company IPOs and then there's the actual IPO after the fact where it's open to the mass public. So, mm -hmm. you know, typically as ordinary shareholders or ordinary investors, we're not pervy to that before piece. That's usually for selected individuals, such as Charles said, angel investors or, you know, people who are just actively involved before the company uh, IPOs. But, you know, once the company's out there, once once the IPO is started and the stock has a value attached to it, that's where we come into play. That's where our part of buying and selling and, and participating in the market activity, that's where this whole phase, you know, comes into play. And there's different ways to... You know, there's a lot of ways to 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 track a stock, right? Like, you see the stock rise, you see the stock fall, you see where the price is um, in comparison to what it was, let's say, a week ago or a month ago, and you make a determination of, okay, like, is the stock going to rise or is it going to fall? And this is where we kind of went into earlier with the bullish and bearish. So. If a stock is bullish, that means it's a market condition where stock prices are expected to increase. So you're feeling bullish on the fact that, hey, Apple stock has been doing X, Y, Z, and I think it's going to raise. Uh, bearish is the opposite. You know, Apple's been doing some weird things. You're like, maybe the stock is going to fall because of this. Or it's other outside factors, political factors, economic factors. It doesn't just have to be the company's performance that indicates whether a stock is going to rise or fall. There's also outside factors, global factors. I mean, we just were, we're living through a pandemic. So everyone's realized what's happened with the market with that. Um, and there's been a lot of outliers with this pandemic. If you remember what happened with Tesla last year, I mean, come on, that's that's crazy. Tesla rose from like $400 to 800 like that's insane in one year, you know, like something like that is a, an extreme outlier. But the fact is to say, there's always going to be 
a bullish and a bearish market that happens. And as an investor, what you're aiming to do is, you know, because there's, there's always this term around like, okay, you need to like outperform the market, outperform, you know, and but what does that really mean? You know, as an investor investing in the stock, you're trying to find like the fair market value. You're trying to see, okay, is this stock priced correctly? Is it undervalued compared to what it is now or is it overvalued? You know, and that's where you fit in there um, as you're buying and selling. And, you know, and Charles, you could you could chime in, too, on this. There are different ways that, you know, when you're starting to invest, right, like it could seem kind of scary with everything going on. Like, OK, like, you know, this is happening. I got to, you know, buy this. I got to, you know, trade this. But, you know, basically it comes down to what kind of investor are you? You know, are you the type to be aggressive in the market? you know, and buy on a consistent basis by daily, or are you more conservative? Do you like the idea of buying one pool of assets, one pool of stocks, and just having that kind of passively grow as opposed to buying and and analyzing the market continuously uh, in order to get ahead? Now, there's different, you know, obviously you can make more money day trading and doing that stuff um, for the short term, buying and selling, you know, buy low, sell high, vice versa. Uh, or you could have, okay, like I buy, I, you know, I'm buying this set of stocks and I'm just going to sit back, let the dividends pay me out. And that's going to be my approach to investing. Charles, your thoughts? No, I mean, uh, you're, you're right. There are different ways, especially for the audience tuning in. Um, there's different ways you can invest into the market. Um, some people, like Daniel mentioned, are a little bit more aggressive. Um, it really depends on how much uh, bread that you're willing to put up inside the market. Yep. Um, everybody has different situations. But the beautiful thing about the market is they're open to everybody. It doesn't You don't always have to be the aggressive investor. Like Daniel mentioned, you could be a passive one. You can invest every now and again. Um, the point is the market won't go anywhere. The market will be here long before me and you long before our children, because that's a format where, you know, people are able to have ownership in companies where companies are able to get um, equity, um, grow their equity, grow their research and development um, is by having a stock market. Now, like Daniel mentioned, a little bit of outside factors sometimes fall into the political factors. That's why it's also important to follow politics, I really believe, if you are an investor in the stock market. Is really, and that doesn't necessarily mean you follow what every president does per se. Um, is more so what are they basically backing? What is their um, mm-hmm. team backing? A lot of times, uh, when we went through the Trump regime, a lot of uh, gas companies did well. A lot of companies, uh, banks did well because of his tax cuts. So many other factors. The reason being is because that's where um, a lot of his, him himself, and his team believed. Um, they saw, you know, the, the world going. They believed in 
still going by, I guess, uh, you know, admissions aspect, yeah. as opposed to someone like Biden and his administration, who's a little bit more forward thinking. They believe in electric um, cars. That's why a lot of companies now are being electric. It also falls in factor of what um, the current administration believes in. Also, as people may know, cannabis is fucking doing well. Excellent is because now Trump, uh, not Trump, oh, excuse me, Biden is signing fucking everything that's basically legalizing it as well as the governors in the various states. So that allows uh, if you have marijuana stocks, hey, if you got an early, God bless you. Um, you know, because that means you're doing you may be doing pretty well or the years to come. It's important. Um, I believe that it's important to do your research. There's three factors that come into play when researching a stock. You want to research um, a company's management. You want to see how management does within a company. What does that mean? Um, I like I love using Apple because Apple is one of my favorite companies. It's been for a while now. So I'll use that example. Tim Cook, Tim Cook is is the current CEO and has been the CEO for even a decade plus now. He's been able to uh, utilize a lot of um, his resources to build out Apple through um, acquiring um, iTunes, I believe, um, doing partnerships with a lot of celebrities, athletes, also um, redesigning a lot of the iPhone, a popular brand, the staple of Apple for as long as uh, even Steve uh, Steve Jobs was alive, mm-hmm. as well as building various MacBooks. So what does that mean? That means that Apple is consistently pushing out products that is consistently doing well, even in a bad market. What does that mean? That means that they have the right team in place that understands even if they do if they don't do as well in one aspect, they're able to reinvent themselves to build out other products that can 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 offset maybe a bad year that they had. And what did that happen? iPhone 10 didn't do too well because that was during a time where a lot of people were like, eh, you know, we just had this iPhone, Samsung was competing with them, this and that. They come out with a, a, a another iPhone that's that cuts the price in half that was charging as opposed to a thousand. It was like six ninety nine. People were going grabbing it, doing whatever. They did well again. That's a testament to their management. Another piece is their their moat. And for the audience tuning in, um, when somebody uses the term moat, uh, this was coined by uh, Warren Buffett. A moat means a company's competitive advantage. What does this company do compared to its competitors? Mm. Apple, I'll stay on it, is the iPhone hub. They, I don't know what they put in that iPhone, but it seems for every single year, if you pay attention to the numbers of Apple... They always get new subscribers and new people going to Apple. So that is what they do better than other companies is their iPhone, their iPhone and their MacBooks. Those are the main aspects of Apple that always do well, as well as their watches. That is why a lot of times you always see every time Apple has an event, they're always coming out either with a new iPhone a new Apple Watch or a new MacBook. If you don't believe me, just go to app, apple.com or whatever Apple's website is and sign up for the next event. That that They're going to find one of the three things, and those are their competitive advantage. And then the last piece is what is a company's free cash flow? That means how much, how much money is left over once a company subtracts their assets, how much they have, 
acquired and gained and how much they have to expend, which is their liabilities, how much they're spending, how much money that they have left over. Apple always has high free cash flow. The reason being is because they're able to always reinvent, reinvest their money into different products, which gain a lot of revenue through their various services. So they're always able to pay whatever they're willing to pay. That means that once they pay their taxes, once they pay um, their research and de- development team, once they pay their employees, all that, whatever money is left over, that's the money they can use for their nonprofits. That's the money they can use to rebuild a lot of their products and so much more. So those are the three things that you want to focus on once you're looking to invest into a company. You want to look at a company's management. You want to look at a company's competitive advantage. And the third thing is you want to look at a company's free cash flow. You can go on various uh, websites. You go CNBC. You can go to the company's main page. You can go to uh, Yahoo Finance. You can look at a company's, uh, um, um, what is it, traction through the years, how they've been performing through the years to learn. If you don't know about the company's management, go to Investopedia and just look up who is the CEO of X, Y, and Z company you're looking to invest in. They'll give you a whole thing, what they've done well, what they haven't done well. There's some people like the WeWork guy, which is who was blowing money on cocaine and women and all that. So obviously, as you see, WeWork now is, hasn't been, it's pretty much no more at this point. So, and a lot of people were investing in early, but the thing is the management, how they act is very important as well. Who they're aligning themselves with is also important because that also can say where you can see a company going. What does that mean? That means that what partnerships are they are they working with? What companies are they looking to acquire? That's all important to know because that means that tells you where the company is looking to go to in the next couple of years. So that's all the aspects that you want to pay attention when investing in a company. Yeah, and I really like that you highlighted the not only the quantitative facts of, you know, free cash flow and that deals with like liquidity and, you know, how how much cash do they have left over after they've, you know, uh, paid all of their expenses. But you've also highlighted the qualitative facts like management, um, marketing, like how is the company positioning their products because and forward thinking, that's really important because, you know, both are very in line. When you think about it, you know, you can't separate the two qualitative and quantitative because what the company does categorically is going to reflect on their financial statements. You know, if they don't if if Apple does not sell X amount of iPhones this quarter, then that's going to reflect on their financial statements. Right. It's just simple. And that could go up the up the um, the hierarchy of, OK, well, where did marketing go wrong? Uh, where did. Tim Cook go wrong, you know, so there's, there's all of these factors in place. And as Charles said, these are things to consider when evaluating a company. And when we talked about earlier of individual investing, this can be a lot of research. If you're thinking about it, if, if you're looking to invest in like 15 different stocks, you virtually would have to do this type of research for 15 companies. Now that can be a lot for the average investor who may maybe you work a nine to five, maybe you have your own business, whatever the case is, you know, time is the most valuable asset and it's very limited in what we have in a day. So to do all of this research, sometimes it could be taxing. It's worth it, uh, but perhaps you don't have the time. And this is where funds are very attractive because 
if you know that, take the S&P 500, which is the Standard & Poor, for example, uh, that lists the top 500 stocks. Uh, you, if 500 you know- companies. 500 companies. Stocks companies. <laughs> they, relatively speaking, if you look at the S&P 500 and how it's performed, on average, you've seen that it's been a positive return over the years. So you can actually, as opposed to investing in an individual stock where you're essentially having only one stock against inside of your portfolio, you can have, uh, which, and this is an a ETF, an, a, an exchange traded fund, you can have uh, this, this fund, this asset actually pools together multiple assets, stocks in this case, where it's following an index. So you could have a S&P 500 index fund, which has a pool of stocks that let's say Apple has a bad quarter, but in that, in that index fund that you're, that you're um, invested in, Amazon has a, has a great quarter. The profits lost or the, the uh, re negative return on investment that Apple would give you is not going to affect your entire portfolio as heavy as it would affect it if Amazon wasn't there to kind of offset it. Which I mean to say is different different stocks and different assets inside of one fund. You know, you have three companies that do what do poor, but you have six companies that do well. Your portfolio is still going to be good. So I say this to say, if you know certain companies are going to, they're not going anywhere. Like, you know, Apple ain't going anywhere, right? Amazon is not going anywhere. These companies are pretty much going to be here for the long haul. I mean, there are no guarantees in the investing world. That's a fact. But I mean, let's be real. Apple, Amazon, you can, it's a safe bet to invest in an index fund that follows those major stocks that, relatively speaking, will always increase in value. Because the ideal position you want to be in is to get an average return of between 7 to 12%, between the low and high ball. Because on average, that's what the stock market will return to you, um, given that you're invested and you're diversified. And this is where I'm getting to with diversification, um, which I'm going to touch on. But to Charles' point... Before you get into that, um, let me quickly explain what an ETF is for the audience. So... A simplified version for the audience listening of an ETF, think of it like when you go to Walmart, when you go to, um, let's say, ShopRite, uh, whatever store you go to. Let's say that um, you're buying um, Pop-Tarts. When, when you go and you look at Pop-Tarts, they usually have various flavors. They have, let's say, blueberry, strawberry, uh, cinnamon, um, marshmallow, whatever, uh, dark chocolate, whatever that you want. You oh, have flavors. various components, flavors of that specific, um, you know, item, which is obviously Pop-Tarts, like I said. Now, an ETF is similar. What that means is, example, you have different companies part of the same um, sector. The same sector is basically means what does this specific uh, company belong under? What what is it a technology company? Is it a marijuana company? Is it a healthcare company? An ETF basically takes um, 
certain companies that belong in the same sector. So, example, what that means is Apple, um, let's say Facebook, Amazon, all these companies which are considered technology companies are grouped into one, one specific stock. Now, a specific ETF would be for the audience tuning in. I want to give you um, what one would be like. Give them some specifics, Charles. Like Power Shares QQQ. Mm-hmm. This is an ETF, which deals with technology companies of companies I dealt with, like Apple, um, let's say Amazon, Netflix, grouped into one. So as opposed to you buying an individual stock. That's just say you're buying Apple singularly. You're buying multiple technology companies in one. Now, how does that benefit? Let's say that Amazon has a bad quarter. And then someone that's invested in just Am- uh, just Amazon or just Apple by itself takes a huge hit in the market. Now, in an ETF, the problem is if let's say Apple takes a hit or Amazon, you still have Facebook in there. You still have Netflix, maybe. You still have whatever technology, other company that may be performing kind of well. So it kind of offsets. So as Daniel mentioned, that's 7 to 12%. It may stay around that range as opposed to when you just specifically invested in one stock in Apple and then it took a really bad dive and then your, your, your portfolio took a huge hit. With an ETF, it hedges that. So you don't take as large hit because you have other companies in that one stock grouped into that one stock. So that's was one way um, of looking at it. If you want to invest in it, save up a couple of bread. Um, I think one stock trades for between 200 to 300. That is the ETF. The one I mentioned is about, I think, 300 right now. So, you know, save a couple paychecks, buy like a couple, a couple shares and just build on that. So I think especially as an investor, if you're someone that as opposed to, let's say you want to, you don't really want to buy just Apple stock and Facebook sock by itself. You can buy all all in one. Just like I used the Pop Top reference, you have different flavors, but they're all part of the same brand. That's what I want you guys to think of when you guys think of an ETF. Alternatively, there's also uh if you make a little bit of good money, let's say hey, you're making a really good job, you're making six figures, you have a really a good amount of money saved up and you want to start investing into the market. You can also look at hedge funds and mutual funds, which are are two different types of investment accounts that you buy into. They turn around and invest your money into dozens, hundreds, even thousands of stocks. So that's important to know because with a mutual fund, you speak to your broker, um, let's say whatever broker that individual uh, belongs to, that person, your financial advisor, if you have one, maybe you say you want to get into a mutual fund hedge fund. So as opposed to you buying just stocks by yourself, you give them a certain X amount of money and then they buy up thousands or hundreds of stocks for you. So what does that do for your portfolio? Them dividends are going to look real good. Because remember, as I first started this episode saying is the more you buy into a company, the more of a return you're going to get, the more uh, money you're going to get back. It doesn't even matter if the if the stock market isn't doing that well that time. You're still going to end up getting more because you have more of a say. Think about it. The more you buy something, the more that you have for yourself, right? It's like you going to the store, Daniel. If you're buying, uh, you keep buying white t-shirts, white t-shirts, white t-shirts. 
you're going to have a whole stack of them, right? And you and, and so as opposed to one person buying one shirt and then that shirt messes up and you got to go back to the store. You don't have to because you have about hundreds of more shirts you could just wear. Mm-hmm. So think of it like that. So the importance is, like I said, if you're going to buy stock, do your research, of course, as we said, but buy a lot of it. Make sure you, and make sure you're buying different ones too, so you can separate your portfolio, as you mentioned. Now you can get into that, sir. The diversification, yes, and and just to touch on, you know, what we're what we mean by a portfolio. You can just imagine a pie chart where you have percentages allocated, which is I mean dispersed between different assets. So you have, let's say, stocks in one column or one area, that's like 60% or 70% of the pie chart. Then you would have bonds in another area, which is maybe 15%, 10%. You may have other like financial instruments in there. Like there's different, there's like real estate investment trusts, which we'll get into at another time. But that's another asset you can put in your portfolio. And there's, like, there's, mean, there's, a, there's a lot of different avenues that can be pulled into a portfolio. But the, the thing is with like mutual funds, as you said, is that you pretty much have a fund manager who allocates this portfolio based on your preference. So if, and this is the time value, this is where the time value of money factor comes into play because if you're young and mutual funds is your avenue to go to, you would want to have a portfolio that is probably very aggressive in equity, in stocks. So you would have like maybe... 70, 80, 90% of that portfolio in stocks and then maybe 10, 20, 30% in bonds, depending on your age factor. Um, alternatively, if you're much older, you would want to kind of hedge against the risk that's that the volatility of stocks would have. And volatility, which what I mean by that is, you know, how often does the price of the stock fluctuate? Because those negative returns can impact a portfolio that's like, you know, Let's say your portfolio is like $500,000. Like you don't want a negative return on that. So as you're older, you would want to have your assets more conservative, have like a lot more bonds in there as opposed to stocks. And when you're young, you know, when you're like in your 20s, 30s, like, listen, you, you know, you want to have that portfolio aggressive in the stock market because that's the most return you're going to get. You know, stock the stock market is going to give you a higher return than the bond market. So when it comes to mutual funds and mutual funds, you know, if and, and this is one thing to note, if you're employed and you participate in like an employer sponsored retirement plan, like a 401k or anything like that, most of those most of what those plans are associated with are mutual funds. You know, they the the company they either hook you up with like a Morningstar or a Vanguard and that's how it's managed. So mutual funds with respect to 401ks for the most part are that that's they, they correlate. Uh, but you can also have your own mutual fund outside of that. But that's just a, you know, a fun fact for you. And also with respect to hedge funds, as Charles mentioned, hedge funds is something where it's more accessible to high net worth individuals. So in order to participate in a hedge fund, you would really have to kind of be like, you know, Mr. Wall Street. Like you you have to have, uh, you have to be an accredited investor. Um, and yeah, you just have to really have high net worth because it's it. what hedge funds do is they hedge against the market, which means bet against the market. So they will participate in 
alternative investment vehicles like and and derivatives is one avenue that they go down and what a derivative is the 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 best way to describe it is that is an asset that derives from an already existing asset so let's take stock options for example options contracts which a contract is you when you buy a contract you are buying the right but not the obligation to buy x amount of shares of a stock at a certain price so when it comes to uh, the derivative of options, that's the arena that hedge funds participate in. And if you know a little bit about options, that's a game where you're betting a lot of money on it, you know, especially if you uh, execute or which means you actually buy the right to purchase X amount of shares. Um, you're dealing with a lot of money. So respect to hedge funds, it's a, it's an arena. If you have the money, yeah, sure. There's a lot to be gained in that market. But relatively speaking, uh, for the average investor, mutual funds are primarily where your lane is going to be or uh, exchange traded funds like we mentioned, or you know, just generally having different assets in a portfolio that you handpick because you don't have to go this route of having a fund that you know tracks an index or buying something that has already a pool of investments because you may not even like the investments that are chosen. You know, you you may want specific tech companies in your portfolio or specific energy companies in your portfolio. So this is where the research comes in. But the 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 key takeaway here is the diversification. You still want to have yourself spread where if something happens in one sector, it's not going to affect more or less the other sectors that you're invested in. And that way you can, as I said earlier, maximize your return while minimizing your risk. Yeah. And as he mentioned, uh, diversification in the market is key. Now, you can also diversify through having different sectors of, of stocks. So what that means is example, as I always mentioned, you have technology stocks, you have marijuana stocks, you have healthcare stocks. That's another way to diversify by having a different um, sectors within your portfolio. Um, as he mentioned, um, I think I'll I'll host an individual class for those that want to learn more about REITs, uh, which are real estate investment trusts, uh, which really basically great. means is REITs are basically uh, real estate on the stock market. So what that what does that mean? That means that Amazon's warehouses, Costco's warehouses, Walmart's warehouses, who they're paying their rent to to own these buildings that they own so a lot of people think that because amazon has their warehouse in let's say virginia or they have one in seattle or they have one in uh i don't know ohio or something like that that means that they own it no that means they have to pay rent to somebody to basically rent out those spaces though that and and a lot of companies do that um i know jp morgan is one um, a lot of banks, um, a lot of these, sh if you are, if you have a bank, uh, if you bank at Bank of America, uh, Chase Bank, um, Capital One, all these different banks, um, American Express, when you go to these uh, places to withdraw cash, they don't own that. They have to pay rent to somebody that basically is letting them rent out these spaces to basically conduct their business. And that's what real estate REITs are. Um, basically, that's what it is on the market. So there, if, if you don't want to buy stock in Amazon because you say Amazon's too expensive, well, 
The another alternative is you can own the company that basically they have to pay, Amazon has to pay rent to to own these spaces and their warehouses and so much others. So that's just another alternative, as uh, Daniel mentioned, to look at. Um, I'm, I love REITs. Um, I think that's going to be my thing uh, personally, but everybody's different. Um, I also think if you are interested in actually owning real estate, you can also use the stock or your stock returns as a way to invest into real estate. The more stock you have, like I said, the more money returns you get. And think about it. Like when you're in the stock market, they, and I'm not going to mention who they are, but they don't think that we understand that this is a place where we can hold our money. So let's say some shit happens, whatever happens, you have that money growing continuously. So if you go do whatever that happens to you and you got to go away, do whatever the case is, you still have that stock market, that portfolio that you built out growing continuously. So again, putting your money into a bank, you should have a you should have an emergency fund. You should have money for the what ifs if something happens. I agree. But just putting your money in a bank is not really growing your wealth as an individual. That's why the rich get so much richer. That's why Dogecoin is jumping. That's why Bitcoin is jumping. That's why Warren Buffett is one of the richest in the top 10 richest individuals in the world. And it's not just because he's a CEO of Berkshire Hathaway. It's because his stock portfolio is crazy. Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, owns stock. Bill Gates owns stock. Elon Musk owns stock. Mark Cuban owns stock. Jay-Z, Nas owns stock. Beyonce owns stock. That's not a coincidence that they're rich... Be, and that's because that's one of the avenues that they use to invest their money and grow their money. You will never grow your money just letting it sit in a bank because they think about it. If you're in a bank and they tell you that every year your your percentage of money grows by one percent <laughs> and you got thousands, thousands of hundreds of dollars saved in there. How are you really making money? Ask yourself that question as opposed to a dividend where let's say you own, uh, let's say, 200 shares in, um, let's say, Best Buy or Coca-Cola. You're getting about almost a couple hundred dollars in returns and dividends the more you're buying into these. Some people get thousands in returns because they own so much of different companies and they buy so much into it. And that's thousand dollars that you're getting. And also for taxes, a lot of people don't know. When you own a lot of stock and taxes and you buy and hold, your capital gains aren't as high. Mm. So what does that mean? That means that if you're single, you rent, you're renting right now, you don't own a home, you don't have a business, that stock offsets it because they know that that's another secondary income that you have that you're invested into. A lot of people don't realize that. That's another benefit of owning stock is because much like owning real estate, that's they think of it like another business that you have, an extended business, without you having actually having an LLC. A stock market is another extension of a business. Because remember what we mentioned to you. When you invest even one one dollar into a business, you're part owner. You have a percentage coming to you. Even if it's one penny, it doesn't matter. You gotta report that. So what does that mean? That means a business is being reported. Think about it, guys. That's all we're trying to tell you, trying to give you this game. We're trying to, you know, let you guys expand, build generational wealth. We really want you to do this. Not just, even if you don't have kids, you have 
something that if something was to happen to you today, your loved ones, whatever close to you is taken care of. Stock market performs that as well. Now, Daniel, let, let's try to wrap up, but I want to kind of extend a little bit and, and talk about a little bit of uh, on Bitcoin and uh, cryptocurrency, uh, crypto tokens versus coins really fast. Yeah, well, let's do that. Let, let, I just want to, you know, touch on what you said, because that was some powerful stuff, man. You know, you, we talked about and, and I hope the audience really like took note of that is it's like the saying scared money don't make no money correct right you you can't hold on to your money because it's not gonna do anything in the banking system that we have that is not gonna in a savings account even if you do an online savings account that has you know higher than average return you're getting at you know especially in today's market you're getting at best what 0.5 percent like you're not you're still not getting what you could get in the stock market now this isn't to say don't save money, like have an emergency fund, have what you need for short term things. But listen, if you have excess cash, like, and you don't really need it in, you, you've met your requirements as far as an emergency fund, throw that money into the stock market and invest that money to the stock market. Don't throw your money, invest that money into the stock market, invest it into the world of cryptocurrency which we'll talk about right now invest it into the world of REITs that Charles mentioned earlier invest 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 because as the saying goes the best time to invest was yesterday the second best time to invest is now so with respect to how much time and I keep emphasizing this because time value of money is real guys like that is something guys and girls ladies and gentlemen for for those that's listening that is like if there's one takeaway from this episode that I want everyone to understand is that the time value of money is the essential. It is the core to generating wealth in this world of investing. Like the younger you are, the earlier you start, the more money you can gain in the long term. And also the more time you have to recuperate if the market goes south. So that's also something to keep in mind. Invest early, invest now, and make your money work for you. Money works better than we work for money. Just let that sink in real quick. Charles, take it away with the Bitcoin talk. Yeah, so we quickly wanted to cover Bitcoin and, you know, cryptocurrency as a whole because a lot of people have been asking us and we've been kind of researching to see, obviously, as uh, what people are interested in learning more about. Obviously, as you guys know, um, crypto has been getting a lot of uh, buzz. Obviously, the extension of NFTs now has getting into the mix. So we quickly wanted to just explain um, cryptocurrency. Um, like I said, I'm thinking about maybe doing a class with you, Daniel. Maybe we will host maybe something in the next couple of weeks entering the summer where we kind of have an explanation of, of what uh, real estate investment trusts are and crypto. Mm -hmm. But quickly for the audience now tuning in, um, for those that I don't know, as of April 2021, May 2021, we'll say that this month, there's over 10,000 different types of cryptocurrency. Now, we don't have time to go over every single one, but uh, the different types of crypto generally fall into two categories, which are coins and tokens. Now, crypto tokens uh, versus coins. Um, a cryptic coins and tokens can fall under the heading of crypto. And generally, they can be listed into two sorts of cryptocurrency. Alternative cryptocurrency coins, also referred to as altcoins or tokens. Now, altcoins, are, which means alternative crypto coins, remember that. 
they deal with example pure coin litecoin dogecoin aurora coin and namecoin now some people have heard of dogecoin as the most popular one that is an alternative cryptocurrency what that means is example they are not bitcoin they are just coins <laughs> i don't know how else i can explain that example what does that mean it works separate like it much much like uh crypto bitcoin it works separately from a central bank there is no middleman however bitcoin is digital currency that is produced by computational solutions to complicated math problems this is different from cryptocurrency because it is just referred to as a coin so if you own dogecoin that means you just own a lot of coins but it still has the benefits of because of the fact that now the world is starting to see that you can use coins digital coins and currency as a ways of payment so that is why dogecoin has been jumping because Elon Musk and many <laughs> other rich people are saying that instead of me having to use paper money I can use coins to do purchases now that is why if you own dogecoin and any of these coins I mentioned they're jumping right now Anytime very rich people back something, you're probably going to make good money off of it. That's just how the world works. And separately, cryptocurrency falls into Bitcoin, Ethereum, um what's the other one? Do you know any of those? We got I mean there's there's a whole bunch of them. There's, you know, uh there's Ripple, there's Counterparty, Omni. there's Omni. Uh, waves and and some of these things. I mean, I, I recently found out some of these things exist. So that like like the Charles said, there's so many different coins that you can choose from within the crypto world. And going into now the transition from dollars to coins with big timers like Elon Musk backing Dogecoin and and a lot of other big players backing some of these new cryptos that are coming into the market. Well, they're not really new. They're just getting public eye now. You're seeing the direction that currency as a whole is being valued. And with respect to what we were talking about earlier of how you're seeing the the time and place, you're seeing how the earlier you invest, the more time you have for this asset to grow. And cryptocurrency as a whole whatever avenue you go through whether it be tokens or coins or bitcoin versus ethereum the fact of the matter is this is an industry this is a, an area that is going to really increase in volume just look at bitcoin i remember when bitcoin was like a thousand dollars for a coin in like 2016 i remember that and that wasn't that long ago that was like five years ago and look where Bitcoin is now. It's crazy. So you take that idea and you just look at the other coins that are picking up steam. Now, hey, Dogecoin may not be the next Bitcoin, but Dogecoin is definitely going to be going up. It's going to have its its moment. The same goes with other cryptos that will be entering the market at a competitive rate. Ripple is another one that's been a high talking point for a lot of crypto investors. So, you know, this avenue of investing into the crypto markets it's no different from how you would approach the stock market there's just a different way to play the game 
and there's a glossary that you need to know. You need to know the glossary of the game, right? Like you need to understand what a blockchain is. You need to understand like it's a different form of investing. It's a different world, but it's still investing. At the end of the day, it's still <laughs> I'm going to go back to this point too. It's still that one asset that you invest in to maximize your profits and minimize your risk. So with respect to cryptocurrency, and also you can put cryptocurrency in uh, some of your portfolios. So, and that depends on your broker. So, you know, and, and with the short time we have left, I would like to just have the audience know a little bit about brokerage firms and, you know, what kind of brokers you can use because there are a lot of brokers that are available um, it's not just Robin Hood, like Charles said, you know, there are, especially now brokers like TD Ameritrade, which is a very good broker, a very standard broker to use that have a lot of, um, investing tools and, and research, uh, things that you could use. Um, there are a lot of other brokers that now have the competitive, like, Okay, commission-free trades. That was Robin Hood's like selling point. But now that's not really the major selling point anymore because a lot of other brokers are now adopting that principle of okay, maybe we could have uh, you know, some low commission trades or you know, do so do your research. Like right, you the right broker for you depending on how you want to invest and how much, you know, effort you want to put into research and things like that and remembering what we were talking about earlier with the funds. Yeah. There are just different brokers to choose from. So yeah. So example as um, and and we we're gonna wrap this up. But if you have any questions too, uh, we will drop our IG handle for you guys as well as our business page. Um, the Dance Soul Pitch follows on Instagram. We will provide that for you guys for any information. But one thing that I would say for those that are interested in learning about which broker should I go to? Basically, a broker is basically example. Where are you going to invest your stocks? So, example, a lot of beginners like Robinhood because it's an easy format. Um, a lot of beginners go there. But the reason why I'm not really a fan of Robinhood, the more I've actually became more um, educated in the stock market, is because you realize that Robinhood is very limited. Yep. Now, the, why, why is it limited? Example, what I mean is certain stocks are not tradable on Robinhood. Uh, one of the most popular ones that I love is Moet Hennessy Louis, Louis Vuitton, mm. which is LVMH. LVMH is obviously, um, if you have any type of designer, um, you have, uh, I don't know, like I, the ones I mentioned, uh, LVMH owns over like 200 to 300 of your favorite brands. If you have Gucci, all these, Louis Vuitton, all that is owned by basically one European guy and his family. So... <laughs> Uh, his name is Bernard Allstott. Um, also, he was the one that did a partnership with um, Fenty Beauty, which is Rihanna, which is um, Sephora he owns. He owns all that. So these are all important aspects to basically understand. So example, if I go to TD Ameritrade and E-Trade, I can actually purchase companies um, outside of, of these restricted companies like a LVMH, like I mentioned, as opposed to Robinhood, which doesn't allow you to. They have a lot of restrictions with certain companies that you can purchase. Now, why is that important for an investor, especially early on, is because you don't want to be limited in the market. You want to have an, much of an expansion in the market, especially that allows you to grow your portfolio and diversify your portfolio, like I mentioned. Like LVMH is fashion. Um, that's one thing that you want to understand is, like I said, 
having fashion technology all in one. Another reason why I'm not really too keen on Robinhood, but again, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be investing in Robinhood. That's up to you as an investor, do your research and, and go with what you feel most comfortable. But another reason is I'm someone that I like to personally call people if I have an issue with <laughs> certain things. This is just regular, even customer service. My package not delivered. I got to call you. So what does that mean? That means if I'm having an issue with a stock, huh, what issue happened with um, Robinhood that a lot of people weren't able to reach out to? I think it was GameStop was one as well as, uh, uh, was it, Acme? AMC. AMC, yeah. yeah. So um, that's very important. A lot of people weren't able to get their money. And as you people saw, people were going to Robinwood headquarters in California, <laughs> banging on the door trying to get their money back that they lost or invested in. Now, this is important. TD Ameritrade, you can actually call customer service. And then they allow you to speak to somebody. So you can say, hey, where is my money? And they'll say... Excuse me, sir, this was the issue or this is how we can go about getting that resolved as opposed to Robinhood where you could write an email or write something to somebody and sometimes they don't even respond to you. So that's just important, like I said. But again, like I said, it's ultimately up to you as the investor to do your research and come to people like us, come to people. Uh, one other person I love is Wall Street Trapper. That's a guy I follow on Instagram. I don't know him personally. But I love the game that he gives, especially people that look like us, black people, for those that can't see us on YouTube. What that basically means is, again, someone that gives the game to people that are young, people that want think outside the box. Shit, he's, he's having street dudes invest in the market. So that tells you something. So, again, that's one person. Earn your leisure. The dance so pitch. These are people that you want to follow, give this game to. Other people that you're learning on these platforms. So, again, like I said, this is what we want to give to you guys is, you know, I, I hope you took something from this episode. If you have any questions, reach out to us at the Danso Pitch on Instagram or reach out to us. We will provide our handlers. Um, I think I changed my handler again, but I <laughs> but I'll, I'll I'll provide that for you guys. Daniel will have his as well if he feels comfortable to reach out. So again, like I said, if you have any questions, reach out. But please listen to this episode as an entirety. Because if you have, that means if you're hearing this now, that means you have. So, again, make sure that you do share this with anybody that you may think would be interested in learning more about the stock market. A lot of inf information was given out. I'm jealous. I wish I had somebody give me this game when I first started. I, I had to learn this by reading and, and, and struggling the first couple of years before I really understand the market. So, again, the fact that we're in a world now where this information is good. You guys can learn and, and pass it on to the next person. Daniel, your last thoughts. Yeah, Charles, you pretty much said it all. You know, uh, please reshare this podcast with anybody you think would benefit from it. Friends, family, coworkers, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, t have them take a listen. You know, we're here to drop this game and, you know, it's our pleasure to really bring to you this type of information as we're going along with it too, because, you know, we're actively investing, we're still young, we're like learning this game as well and just dropping our knowledge as as it pertains to our experiences with investing and building wealth. So, you know, without 
anything left to say. You know, it's been a pleasure once again. Episode 40 of the Dance So Pitch, key milestone. We're going to have a lot more episodes coming down the pipeline. And also, if you want to be a guest on the Dance So Pitch, please reach out to us. Reach out to me. Reach out to Charles. You can email us. Like, we are willing and we want to have guests who are industry experts in, you know, their own world, fashion, food industry, whatever the case is, whatever business you have, whatever insight you can provide, please come on the show. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation and more details on that to follow. But thank you again for tuning in. And there you go, Charles, take us out. Yeah, definitely follow us again at the Danso Pitch on Instagram. Follow our main page at the Danso Solutions on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Again, that is our main page, our main business. We do logo designs, website designs. Uh, we're venturing again to taxes. We provide financial literacy information by yours truly. I am the CEO. My name is Charles Danso. Again, joined by my partner, Daniel. This, what are you, CIO now? Oh, yeah. CIO, CIO, COO. Exactly. <laughs> Double guy, name. I got sec- double titles. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, the second in command. Let, let, let's do it, man. Again, like I said, this is, this is my guy. Um, thank you for coming on. Again, we will have this episode available. Um, if you listen to this, probably uh, the early next week, Monday, Tuesday. Um, for those listening, enjoy this rest of spring. Enjoy your vacations. We have so much more. Our next episode, hopefully we can get a guest for you guys. All right, I'm out of here. Peace. Peace, y'all.